Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, February the 19th. I hope that you and yours are all doing well. We're continuing our study of Paul's letter to Philemon. It's a letter written on behalf of Onesimus, who is Philemon's runaway slave. And today we're going to be talking about a spontaneous love. One of the overarching themes of the book of Philemon is that, of course, of love, that we love because he first loved us. And we have been given this ministry of reconciliation, a a reconciliation of love, if you will. Uh, And so today we'll be looking at verses 12 through 16. So this guy sees a sign in front of a house that says, talking dog for sale. And so he he rings the bell and the owner tells him that the dog's in the backyard. So the guy goes into the backyard. He sees this black dog, this mutt sitting there. And so he goes up and says, hey, you talk? And yup, the mutt replies. So what's your story? So the mutt looks up and says, well, I discovered this gift pretty young and, and I wanted to help the government. So I told the CIA about my gift. And in no time, they had me jetting from country to country, sitting in rooms with spies, world leaders, because well, no one figured a dog would be eavesdropping. I was, I was really one of their most valuable spies, you know, several years running. The jetting around really tired me out, and I knew I wasn't getting any younger, and I, I wanted to settle down. So I signed up for a job at the airport to do some undercover security work, just mostly wandering near suspicious characters, kind of listening in. And I uncovered some amazing plots and incredible dealings, and there was you know, a batch of medals that I was awarded. So, you know, the story, I I had a wife, a mess of puppies, and and now I'm just retired. Well, this guy is amazed. So he goes back in and he asks the owner what he wants for the dog. And the owner says, I don't know, 20, 25 bucks, something like that. The guy says, this dog is amazing. Why on earth are you selling him so cheaply? And the owner replies, he's such a liar. He didn't do any of that stuff. And the point is, there are some old dogs that can learn new tricks, and there are some people who can learn a new way of life. There are many people whose lives have been turned around and changed by the love of God, and now they have learned a new way to live, something that's amazing. You see, not only did Paul's life change when he had an encounter with Jesus, but Onesimus's life changed too. But their lives didn't just change temporarily. Their, their lives changed for good. And because Paul's life changed so much, he remembered what he had preached to the Galatian church. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, a man reaps what he sows. Paul was reaping the benefits of sowing the seeds of love with Onesimus. And that's why Paul says Onesimus has become his son in verse 10. That's why Paul says Onesimus is his very heart in verse 12. And he would like to keep Onesimus with him in verse 13. Paul says he is very dear to him in verse 16. And if he owes anything, he will pay it back to Philemon. He, Paul, in verse 19. And so with all that in mind, Paul is going to teach us today how our love towards others could and should be spontaneous. In Philemon, verses 12 through 16, I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your, your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, 
much, much better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Have we had times in our life when we're talking to someone about Jesus and we think to ourselves, why bother? There, there are going to be times like that. There are going to be times when it seems to be that no one is listening. There are also going to be times when someone will listen and we know that they're listening because their lives are reflecting what they are learning and what they've learned. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Who knows what can come out of a simple conversation with someone about Jesus? Who knows if people are listening to what we're saying? But please, we can't stop talking about Jesus and showing people Jesus because Paul says that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Our labor will be rewarded if we fully commit to the Lord's work. And Paul's labor was rewarded in the form of Onesimus. The seeds that Paul had sown in Onesimus are beginning to show fruit. They're beginning to spread. So there's this little boy went running into the house one day and he said, Mommy, there's a boy in the woods and he's mocking me. His mother said, What do you mean? He said, I said hello. And then he said, Hello. And and I asked, Who are you? And he asked, Who are you? I said, What's your name? And he said, What's your name? The little boy said to his mommy that he, he got mad and he jumped over the, uh, the, the fence and went into the woods to find him, but there, he wasn't anywhere. And he said, I'll punch you in the head. And he said, he'd punch me in the head. And the little boy's mom said, hey, that's just your echo, he said. He said, if you would say I love you, he would have said I love you back. The point is, if someone tells us that they hate us, we usually want to hate them back. If someone shows us that they hate us, we usually want to show them hate back. But if someone tells us that they love us, we want to do what's right so so that they will continue to love us. Not only did Onesimus accept the love that God had to offer him, but he also had a choice to do the right thing, to go back and share that love with Philemon. And that's why Paul says in verse 12, I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. Now, remember, Onesimus was a runaway slave, and in an empire with as many as 60 million slaves, there was constant fear of slave revolt. And so when any slave ran away from their master, there were very serious consequences. The laws against runaways were extremely strict. A runaway slave, if caught, could end up being crucified or even branded, um, if not crucified, with, with a red hot iron on their forehead with the letter F for fugitive. And Onesimus was in constant danger of falling into the hands of the slave catchers. And it would have been very dangerous to send him back alone. And that's why Paul says in Colossians 4, verses 7 through 9, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you, and they will tell you everything that is happening here. See, Paul is trying to protect Onesimus on his journey by sending Tychicus with him. And Paul could have kept Onesimus with him, but he respected the civil law and sending him back to Philemon. 
Paul was doing the right thing, and so was Onesimus. And that's why he goes on to say in Philemon 13 through 14, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that you're any, any favor you, you, you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Paul would have liked Onesimus to stay with him. You know, probably because Onesimus could, in effect, be Philemon's minister to Paul while he's in prison. But he he chose to freely return Onesimus to Philemon in order that Philemon have the right to exercise his choice in the matter. And so, again, Paul's actions in this really tricky situation honored both Roman law and the right of Philemon to make his decision concerning what must be done. If Philemon's actions in this matter were done by obedience to a command of Paul, then it would have been a it wouldn't have been a choice on his part to make a decision to do good. And friends, that's the lesson I think that we can all learn. Good leaders give people options by which they can use their own choice to act. Paul is basically saying, listen, Philemon, I've sent Onesimus back to you, but to tell you the truth, it feels like I'm cutting my right arm off by doing that. I wanted so much to, just to keep him here as I stand in for you, as he stands in for you to help me out while I'm in this prison for the sake of the gospel. He didn't want to do anything behind Philemon's back or make him do a good deed that he hasn't agreed to. Paul wanted to do the right thing, but he wanted to do the right thing by God's standards not by human standards. Human standards say, Philemon, you know, have, uh, Philemon, have Onesimus put to death because of what he's done to you. That was the standard of the society. That was the, that was the law. But God's standards say in Matthew 6.15, if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Human standards says, Philemon, Onesimus hurt you, so hurt him back. But God's standards say in Luke 6.28, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. You see, we're a walking, talking advertisement for the Lord, for Jesus, because the people of the world don't necessarily read the Bible and the scriptures, but they read our lives. And maybe we will get ridiculed for, t- for telling the truth. Maybe we'll get mocked for having, for having high standards. But there will be times when, when people will reach out to us because we have those standards. Is there a spontaneity? to our love. There was a worried new mother at home on maternity leave who sprang to the, to the phone, to her mobile when it rang and, and listened with relief to the kind voice that she was hearing on the end. How, how are you, darling? She, she said, what kind of day are you having? Oh, mom, she said, the baby won't eat. Uh, the washing machine's broken down. I haven't had a chance to go shopping. And besides, I've, I've just sprained my ankle. I'm having to hobble around. You know, I was at CrossFit. On top, on top of that, the house is a mess. I'm supposed to have a couple, uh, two couples over for dinner n- tonight. The mother was shocked and, and was at once very sympathetic. Oh, darling, she said, sit down, relax, close your eyes. I'll be over in about half an hour. I'm going to do your shopping. I'm going to clean the house for you. I'm going to cook dinner for you. You know, I'll feed the baby. We'll call uh, a repairman. I know that you'll be, that I know he'll be at your house to fix the washing machine. Now stop crying. It's going to be okay. I'll do everything. In fact, I'll even, I'll call George and tell him he needs to come on home because you need some help. George said the new mother, who's, who's George? Why your husband, George, is this two, two, three, one, three, seven, four? No, this is 
223-1375. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I have the wrong number. There's this short, dramatic pause, and the young mom said, Does this mean you're not coming over? That's what our love should be, should be like to everyone we meet, spontaneous. It's that type of love that, that does come over, that goes into autopilot. It's the type of love that sees a need and goes on to help that need. At 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what Jesus is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's the type of love that sees their brother or sister struggling and then wants to help. In Galatians 6, 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. And that's the type of love Paul is looking for from Philemon, that spontaneous love, that love which still gives you a choice and isn't something that's forced. Paul did the right thing by sending Onesimus back. Onesimus did the right thing by voluntary going back. And Philemon now needs to do the right thing by accepting Onesimus back. Not because he has to, but because it could be a part of God's plan. And now when we think about it, since Onesimus ran away, there, there has been nothing but trouble. Philemon lost his, his slave and, and his worker and his asset, and it made Onesimus a criminal, possibly subject to death. Yet in all of this, Paul could see a purpose, a purpose of God, and he wanted Philemon to see that purpose too. And that's why, he, the Paul, the, that's why Paul tells Philemon in, in verse 15, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. He's basically saying, Philemon, you've, you've heard people say that God works in mysterious ways. Well, it seems to me that God is working in a very unusual way here let, let me tell you what I see, and perhaps it's going to make sense to you. In other words, maybe the reason Onesimus left was because God had plans for him. Maybe Onesimus didn't think he was going to be much use to Philemon, so he would be better off going somewhere else. Maybe he was just restless in Philemon's home and just wanted to get away. But whatever God's plans for him were, he now wants to stay with Philemon for good. Onesimus made an illegal choice in running away, but the wrong choice led him to the gospel. In other words, God can use what could appear to be wrong to bring about good. But he doesn't move us to make wrong choices. Remember Joseph, his brothers were jealous because of the attention that their brother uh, was getting from their father. So they throw him in a cistern. Slave traders go by and Joseph decided to make some, some money. Uh, his brothers, excuse me, decided to make some money from Joseph. And they sold him in, in to, a, to slave traders and then they took him to Egypt. And, and when his brothers went to Egypt a few years later for food because of famine, they don't recognize him. And, and Joseph finally reveals himself to them and says in Genesis 45, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Joseph's basically saying, listen, this was all part of God's plan to get us all to Egypt. There are times when we never see the big picture. We only see what we want to see. In Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Joseph's brothers didn't know it was part of God's plan until they met up with him again, but Joseph understood what was happening. And so did Paul. He knew it was for the best that Onesimus be returned. He knew it was part of God's plan. 
And that's why he says to Philemon in verses 15 through 16, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, way better, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. The new relationship which Paul is discussing here isn't about, Onis, is, is about, isn't about Onesimus no longer being a slave in the legal sense. Potentially, and this is hard for us to wrap our minds around, especially in 2023, but potentially that wasn't going to change. But it was going to change because Onesimus is now his brother in Christ. We all know that any person obeying the gospel of Christ becomes the brother or sister of every other Christian. Onesimus's conversion necessarily didn't free him from civil duties as a slave. But because he obeyed the gospel, that changed his relationship with Philemon. Paul said to Philemon, he's not, he's not a slave. He's better than that. He is, he is your brother. Paul says, listen, Onesimus, it's, it's dear to me, but even dear to you. And you're going to see a big change in this man's life. You're going to see a dramatic difference in his work. And the reason he's going to see a big dramatic difference is because he, because Christ is now in him and his whole attitude towards his life, towards the world has changed. See, the cross of Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. It makes all of humanity equal because all are saved by the same blood, which was shed at Calvary. That goes for the man who was a mass murderer. That goes for the woman who did nothing uh, but good for people. In Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Now, does it mean that those identities aren't there? No. That's not what the verse is saying. This isn't, this isn't a call or, or um, scripturally, uh, you know, for androgyny or, or against... Um, race and ethnicity, none of that. No, no. This is just saying that there's not one better than another in Jesus Christ, that we are all equal. According to the world, it may not be the case. And that's what's difficult. But now Philemon and Onesimus know this, but they also know that when we become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, we need to learn a new way of life. We need to learn a whole different attitude towards others. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 tells us, your attitude, my attitude, should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Onesimus had to learn another new attitude too, the kind of attitude that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Again, very difficult verses. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, not just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Jesus, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good they do, whether he is a slave or free. Onesimus wasn't going to serve Philemon like he used to. He's going to have respect, mutual respect. He's going to serve him with a sincere heart, just like you would Jesus. He wasn't going to sneak outside every now and then for a break when Philemon isn't watching. And the reason he was going to do all these things is because he's not working for Philemon anymore. He's working for Jesus. And the reward is from Jesus. And it far outweighs anything that anyone could ever give us. The point is that we can, we can enjoy our work even when the boss is, is hard and difficult. 
even if it seems monotonous. And the reason that we can enjoy our work is because we're working for Jesus. Whatever we are, we are, we are very cleverly disguised. We are really ministers of the gospel. That is, who we, that is what we are. That is what we do. But we may be cleverly disguised in any number of professions. We won't want to take some days off pretending we're sick. We, won't, we, won't take, we don't want to take a quick break when the boss is out. We want to do the best of our ability because we are working for the Lord. Believers, followers of Jesus should stand out in the workplace because Christians are the ones that should always be honest. Christians are the ones who should be trusted to do a job well, even when the boss is out of town. And that's the new Onesimus who is standing at his master's door saying, whatever you say, I'll do. I'm not going to try to run away again. I'm here to serve you wholeheartedly as though I was serving Jesus himself. And don't think for a minute that Philemon has it all, has, has it all his own way here. He too has some massive attitudes to remember and change because Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 6, 9, and masters treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you, since you know that he who is is both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no favoritism with him. And then Colossians four, once his masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. In both of these passages, there's, there's a rule that all masters, bosses, if you will, or people who have others working for them or under them can't forget. And that's this. We, you too have a boss, you have a master and his name is Jesus. And so, and so Fleeman needed to remember this attitude, this, the attitude that says he's not going to threaten Onesimus, the attitude that says God has no favorites, the attitude that says he has to provide all, all with Onesimus with what is right and with what is fair. Now, remember, learning a new way to live isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. And I'm sure it would have taken a little time for both Onesimus and Philemon to to learn this new attitude. But I'm also sure that after a period of time, this new attitude, if you will, would become the normal. It It would become spontaneous. Now, we may not be aware of it, but our greatest need is salvation from our sins. We, we all have that need, but, but no one is able to fulfill that need and help us. And so God, moved by his love for his greatest creation, God moved spontaneously, if you will, to help us out. Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, just at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice the words which Paul used to describe us powerless, ungodly, sinners. And although we were all powerless, ungodly, and sinners, God saw a world in need of a Savior, and so he sent his son Jesus into the world for us. And so if you're not a Christian this morning or or listening to this, if you're not a believer, then please know that this includes you too. He loves you, and he died for you so that he could save you from, from your sins. But he doesn't just want to save you. He wants to change you too. He, wants to ch- he doesn't want to just save me. He wants to change me. He died for me so that he could save me. So friends, let's not serve God and love each other because we have to. Let's serve God and each other spontaneously out of love. Amen. And God bless.